Thanks, man. Well, guys, I am, like, totally stoked. Um, I am, like, whoo, uh, because we are getting ready to start Sermon on the Mount, like, and I'm like, yeah. Um, so I've never got to preach Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you don't know what Sermon on the Mount is, um, it's not just, like, an everyday thing. It's part of Matthew's book, uh, uh, chapters 5 through 7, uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. I would suggest even reading it over the next couple weeks uh, and digesting it even more. Uh, but even on top of that, um, uh, like you see, we got a couple people who were uh, who were gone this morning. Um, uh, if you do happen to miss a Sunday uh, this summer, one of the things that we do try to provide um, for anybody is you can go into our website and you can actually look up the sermon that you missed. Uh, but we highly suggest that. So, because um, man, dude, this is like rocking my world. So I love Sermon on the Mount, uh, but you'll see probably why. Um, so let's do this. Uh, uh, let's go ahead and read, uh, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. It's going to be in your New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one of those right there in the pew that's in front of you. It's going to be super easy and super helpful if you kind of follow along. Matthew chapter 5, here's what he says, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come to you. Um, as those, if we read this just straight, purely, Father, we, we confess we have, we have not been poor in spirit. We've not been meek. We have not hunger and thirsted for righteousness. Hence, why we needed Jesus Christ, because we have not lived the life that we should have as human beings created in your image. But, Father, we come to you this morning praising you because of Jesus Christ, who has brought us back to you. Father, we're transforming us who know him. Lord, we come to you today celebrating that fact, thanking you for that fact, but also not only that pleading, God, that you would continue your kingdom, and part of that, Lord, we want to do is pray for other churches. Father, we pray for Mount Zion Baptist Church here in town. Father, we pray that you would grow them and grow them in their love for holiness and their love for you and their love for the scriptures. Lord, we pray and we plead that you would do that. 
Father, we pray for Grace Community Fellowship in Boulder, Montana, a, a place that, like, nobody knows about because it's in Montana and very few people go there. But, Lord, you know that they're there. And, Lord, because of that, we pray for the effectiveness of this church. Lord, we pray that they would have a passion for Jesus Christ, that they would have a passion for the lost. Please stir them, Father. May they be people of the Word of God. Father, we look beyond our kind of own borders. We pray for the Kashmari people of India this morning. Um, Father, a, a people steeped in false religion, a people steeped in, in, in Hinduism, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would raise up, Father, men and women from that tribe, that they would love you, Father. We pray for the churches that are there in that area, Lord. We pray, Father, that they would be proclaimers of your word, God, that you would help them in the midst of, of persecution, of, of it costing their lives, Father. I pray, Father, we pray this morning, please make them bold. God, we pray, not only that, we pray for ourselves this morning. We pray that you would grant us grace to live beautiful lives in a world, Father, that is very much in many ways not beautiful. Um, there are beautiful aspects of it, God, but we see what sin has done. We pray, Father, that you would help us. We pray that you would help us, Father, as we're about to read. Father, in the Sermon on the Mount, we pray that you would teach us all uh, through your Spirit that dwells those who know you. Father, we pray all this. And plead all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Um, so, I figured we would at least start like this. Um, so what's the good life? I mean, what's the life that you, that you wanted, or like you always wanted? Like, what about your, uh, your current life would, would change? You know, like, what's, 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 the, what's the good life? Would you be married? Would you have kids? Would you be wealthy? What would you do? Like, what would that, or maybe something would be taken away. Maybe you're sick, or your, like, spouse is suffering from, like, a, like, a crippling, like, disease. Maybe you can't walk. What's the good life? What's the good life? What would you change about your life? I mean, you probably don't get that question a whole lot, do you? Like, for, like, really? Who asks you that? But yet you know, right? I can ask you that right now. You're like, yeah, I would, I would, I would change this, 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 and this, right? And it's so funny because we think that's a question, okay, what's the good life? We would think that that's a question that, that like, okay, that's something that we ponder. But here's one of the things. That's actually one of the Bible's big questions as well. What's the good life? It's something that the Bible actually seeks to answer. And actually, you might not have known this. It's a question that about 15% of your Bible tries to answer. If you've ever heard of the wisdom part of the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Ruth. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Job. About 15% of your Bible is dedicated to answer this idea. What is the good life? What's the good life? What's the, what's the life that you want? And it's so cool because one of the things that we see is it's not just a question that the wisdom part of the Bible talks about. It's a question that actually we're going to be talking about in the next couple weeks and weeks and months, really, we're going to be teaching this. I'm going to be teaching through this all the way until August. Just a, 
maybe a little help. This is something maybe if that, that would be very helpful for you to invite your friends to. Like, trust me, like, this is something, like, they are going to want to hear. We have good news to offer them. So here we go. What's the good life? What in the world is the good life? Let's take a look. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. Here we go. Seeing the crowds. He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's so funny, whenever you... This part of the Sermon on the Mount is actually called the Beatitudes. And it's funny because there's a way not to read this. But here's the thing. It's funny because it's actually the way that I think all of us tend to read it. Some of you, you heard this, and you're like, yep, that's exactly, that's exactly what I think. Like, this is exactly what my conceptions of Christianity are. Like, okay, it's basically, okay, only in the future, like, okay, yeah, basically, hey, okay, oh, I'm mourning. Well, it'll be okay because one day it'll work out, but I'm just, I guess I'm just going to have to live in misery right now. I mean, isn't that what it says? What do you say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does he say? Oh, because what? For one day, theirs will be what? Oh, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Hey, but don't worry. It'll be okay. Because why? One day what? Oh, you, you, you will be comforted. Oh, blessed are the meek. Why? For they, they'll, inherit, they'll inherit the earth. So future, 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 future. I wish that it actually had something to say about today. The way that we tend to read this, maybe an example will help. Um, I remember um, I was at my uh, my mom and dad's, uh, or my dad's side's Christmas. And um, any, if you know this about me, okay, um, I'm, 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 a, I'm a weird cat. Um, I, I, I don't like uh, Christian radio stations. I don't like Christ, cheesy Christian t-shirts. Um, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. If you are, that's, that's okay. That's definitely fine. I am not one of those people. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, my family doesn't know that I'm not one of those people. So I remember for Christmas one year, uh, I remember uh, I was at my dad's side and uh, I opened up, uh, they put all my gifts there. So I opened up my first gift. And uh, it, it was interesting. It was a set of dog tags. I'm like, dog, dog tags? I'm like, I'm not in the military, but like, all, all right. In case I die, that might be helpful. Like, I looked on it and it said like, First Peter 3, 17, like, the Lord is my rock and salvation. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, um, thanks. Uh, appreciate, appreciate that. Like, that's cool. So I'm like, all right, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Open my second gift. It's a wallet. 
But on it's like James 4, like, oh, you shouldn't, the love of money is the root of life, da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, all right, that's, that's, that's cool, all right. Open my third gift. It's a statue of a guy doing this quiet time. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, thank you. I, I appreciate the thought. Thank you so much. So I'm just like, okay. I open the fourth gift, and it's a box. It's got David written on the top. I'm like, wow. Like, this is, whoa, this, 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 is, this looks really nice. So I open it up, and when I open it up, the lid comes up with it. It's a pocket watch. And I'm like, well, I'm not the Monopoly guy, but pocket watches, I guess, are pretty cool. Like, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. I'm like, well, I'm like, I, I, I'm just grateful that it's not like something, one of those other things. I close the lid of the watch, and it says, in God's time. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, what in the world? And it's funny. Because I think when we read this, and we read the comfort that God offers, that Jesus offers to his people. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll all, be, it'll, it'll all sort out at the end. I think we all naturally kind of read that in the same way many 15-year-olds who are maybe expecting an Xbox for Christmas open up and they find that it's a pack of underwear. They're like, and you're like, take a picture! And they're like, and they're, they're trying to smile, but it's just awkward, like, like, and it's like, yeah, I see that's useful. But I kind of wanted something else. It's funny because I think that's exactly, whenever we read this, it probably confirms what some of you maybe already think about the Christian life. It's like, okay, well, I just got to suffer through it. I got to grit my teeth, all right? This is like football practice. And at the end, you know, it'll all work out. But if, if, if I want a future, if I want happiness, if I want something, I know God's got me in the future, but I'm going to have to kind of sort that out myself. Again, this is stuff that we would never say, right? But it's what we believe. And you read this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you this morning, not so fast, my friend. That's actually not what he's saying. I've got one little word of hope for you. And you might be like, David, what, what in the world, like, what, what would that world be? Take a look at verse 3. It's the same word. That happens in every single one of these verses. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Bless, blessed, 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 blessed. Every single one of these starts with that. Now it's funny, because what do you think of when you hear that word? You think of God blessed Abraham, right? God blessed David. God blessed me. That's what you that's what that's what we naturally think. That's actually not what the word means. That's not what the word means. Here's what Jesus does. He comes out with a right hook. And what he says, he actually borrows a word from the Bible's wisdom literature. That word blessed there does not mean what you think it means right there. What that word means is closer to the good life. 
the flourishing life. The life that when you look at it, like, you, you, you want that. Like, when you're watching, I'll give you an example. Like, if you're watching HGTV, like, you know, like, these flipping houses and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, my gosh, and, like, some of you guys are, like, crying because, like, it's all these stories and stuff like that, wimps. And, like, one of the things that you see, though, like, right at the end of it, all right, you see the big unveiling, right? And all of a sudden, there's something in you that's like, like, if you could reach through the TV and grab it, you would. Like, you're like, oh, I, I want that. Like, yeah, oh, whoa, whoa, I, that's, that, whoa, I want that. When you read, that's the word. Flourishing. The good life. The life that you don't know what it is about it, but you want it. So do you want the good life? You want that, right? You want it. You, you, want, you want a flourishing life? You want a thriving life? Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount by saying, you want the good life? You want the flourishing life? You want the kind of life that people look at and say, like, like whoa, I, I'll tell you exactly where to find it. I'll tell you exactly where to find it. In fact, I won't only give, tell you where to find it. I'll actually give you an invitation to it. So with that in mind, let's reread what we just read and try to read it differently this time. Verse 3, what does he say? Flourishing, the good life. Belong to who? The poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Flourishing, the good life. Who does it belong to? Those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Flourishing, the good life. Who does it belong to? The meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Flourishing the good life. Belong to who? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Flourishing the good life. Belong to who? The merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Flourishing the good life. To who? The pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. Flourishing the good life. Who? Who does it belong to? The peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Flourishing the good life. Belongs to who? Those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Flourishing the good life to who? To you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we just read that. And all of a sudden... You're probably feeling something inside your stomach right now. You're probably feeling the same thing that the first hearers heard whenever they heard this. Because, let's, let's be honest. Shane's going to, he, he's going to help me out here. When you think of the good life, what do you think of? You tend to think of something like this, right? Like, so this is what you think of, right? And then Jesus comes along, and then he offers a picture that, like, looks like that. And you're like, like, it's funny. You'll go around town and you'll see the little blessed sticker on the Mercedes. You won't see it on, like, the 88 Corolla that's got, like, three different colored doors and is, like, beaten down the road. You don't see that. And this is what he says. 
he actually has the audacity to say, you want the good life? This is what it looks like. And you probably read that list, and you're like, David, if, if that's the good life, I, <laughs> if that's the flourishing life, I don't know that I want it. Here's a re- there, there's a reason you think that. There's a reason that Jesus' first hearers thought that. Here's why. Because every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest in this room today, you have a picture of the good life. You don't even know that you got a picture of it. You got a picture of it. And when you think of it, it actually doesn't look like this. You might be like, David, what are you talking about? I'll read off some of them that I would that I would think that most of us in this room we're going to identify with one of these, all right? You're, you probably, you and I, we probably think something like this. Blessed are those with a good job. For they'll have lots of money. Blessed are those with lots of money. For they'll live extravagantly. Blessed are those with a hand to hold. For they won't be lonely. Blessed is the HGTV life. For theirs is the kingdom of Chip and Joanna. Yeah. Blessed are those with an abundant sex life. For they will find gratification. Blessed are those who feel beautiful, loved, and understood. For their heart will be satisfied. Blessed are those who feel the warmth of a spouse and children. For everything will be just like the movies. Blessed are those who go on lots of vacations, for they will experience the world. Blessed are you when others think highly of you, for you will find great importance in your reputation. The reason you read that list and you cringe a little bit is because you have a much different view of what the good life is. You have a much different view of what the flourishing life is. But here's what I'm going to persuade you this morning. I'm going to persuade you that actually Jesus' view of the good life is way better than yours. You're probably thinking, David, that's a pretty tall task. Let's just think about it. You've got your list, right? Blessed are those with a hand to hold, for they won't be lonely. Here's the thing. You think that list is so great. What happens when you don't get it? Blessed are those with a good job, for they all have lots of money. What happens when your career wrecks? I'll tell you what happens. You wreck. Your world is destroyed. Here's the even worse one, though. What happens if you get it? I think that's actually more cruel than not getting it. Blessed are those who feel the warmth of a spouse and children for everything will be just like the movies. Let's say you get that one day. All of a sudden, what you're doing is you're putting the weight of your entire dreams and existence on another person. Let me ask you, how do you think they're going to deal with that? You will crush them with your expectations. You will crush your children with your expectations. 
you'll crush your spouse with your expectations. Either you will turn on them, because what? They're not living up to your idea of the good life. And either you will crush them, or you will turn inside and you will crush yourself. See, it doesn't take long to realize that as human beings, we are obsessed with the idea of the good life. And you, all it takes is you walking down the aisle at Walmart and looking at the National Enquirer to realize we are horrible at actually finding it. For as much as we want to be somebody else, even the people we want to be like want to be like somebody else. That's the problem. You set up, you, 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 think that that's the, you think that what you want is the good life. But what happens is you end up crushing yourself. Or crushing other people. You worship your job, you will crush your family at the altar of your job. You worship your family, you will crush your kids under the weight of your expectations. and You will crush them. You worship the idea of having a handhold. You think that that is what will bring you fulfillment. What's happening? When you don't get it, you will all of a sudden, you will all of a sudden maybe start dating all kinds of people that you shouldn't date. And what will happen? It will crush your life from the outside in. Or rather, I probably should say, from the inside out. Now let's compare that to Jesus' list. What he's describing here is the kind of people who will be his followers. You will know them by their fruits. They will be his followers. Did you catch some of the things he said? And yet, even in the midst of those things, they thrive and flourish. Does that sound like something you want? To be able to encounter all that. And yet they thrive. They thrive. How is that possible? Here's how it's possible. Because for all the joys they, they, that, that we as Christians can see in this life. Love. Family. Money, sex, all, all these things that God has given as good gifts. The thing about Christianity, every other religion in the world, what it does is it uses God to get these things. Christianity is so much different because what we proclaim is that God is far more enjoyable and greater than these things even are. As enjoyable as they are, which they are. That He is even more enjoyable than those things themselves. You and I had a problem. That when we were born, we were born into Adam's sin. That means we weren't born like morally neutral people. We were born into sin. We were born cut off from the God who gives life. Why? Because of Adam's transgression. We were born into iniquity. And through Jesus Christ, we have been restored to life. And now what he does, he describes what? His followers, those who are brought to life. And what will they do? They will thrive even when life is horrible 
they will, and you've seen this probably, haven't you? You've met somebody. When you looked at their life, there was nothing that the world would say, you know, that's a good life. But there was something in them that you were like, wow, like I want that. You know what that is? That is the flourishing life. That's blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because they will flourish in this life. And that's the beautiful thing about the Beatitudes. And they'll flourish in the next life. The Christianity is concerned with both. See, this is why pseudo, like, religion, maybe what a lot of us, like, grew up with, this is why it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Why? Because all you do is you go to church, you do this, 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 and this, hoping that you don't make God mad, therefore, he'll give you the stuff on your list. When Jesus Christ comes and says, I have a way better list for you, and you would never recognize it. You think life is found in the absence of trials. I'm going to make you into the kind of person who thrives and flourishes in the midst of trials. That's what I'm going to do. If you think the good life is just the absence of, like, bad stuff happening to you and, like, the presence of lots of good things, my friend, you are going to live a painful life. Like, a much more emotionally traumatic life. Where what Jesus offers, it makes us to the kind of people that say, man, life stinks, but dang, I love the Lord. Holy cow, he's great. Wow. Man, I love him. Man, he's good. Even in the midst, like, this is horrible. I struggled on sharing this one or not. I remember, I'll give you a quick anecdote. Um, one of my dreams is like, ever since I was, like, as far as I can remember, I wanted to be married with kids and stuff like that. One of the best days of my life I can look back on now is actually when there was one girl that I was very, very serious. We were talking about marriage. It was probably about four years ago or something like that. And uh, one day she uh, broke up with me via text message. Girls, don't do that. All right, just giving you a heads up. Please, don't do that. All right, just... Like, face-to-face. Yeah, I know it's hard. Um, and uh, I remember I, I dropped to my knees that day, and the disappointment of, of, of like, of my life. Like, like, you can feel it at that point. And I look back on it today, and it was one of the best days of my life. Why? Not because, like, I broke up with her. Like, some of you have broken up with people, and you said it was the best day of your life for completely other reasons. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, it was one of the best days of my life because though it hurt like 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 crazy, I could smile on that day. I was like, Lord, this hurts tremendously. But I know I've got the good life. Because I have you. So you might be wondering, okay, um, so if I have the flourishing life, like Jesus says, if, if I walk into this, okay, 
what's the point? How, how, do I, how do I live the flourishing life, and how do I operate in this world? Like, because that's what he's doing. I'm so glad you asked, because guess what? He tells us in verse 13. What's it say in verse 13? You are what? The salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, what? Except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people take light a lamp and put it under a basket? No, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What he does here, he uses two illustrations that mean the same thing. Two different ones. You might be like, David, why did you choose salt and light? That is a really debated thing. I'll give you my two cents. Salt in the Old Testament, and even think about it, because you go home and like you, you're about to go get like your Kung Pao chicken or whatever from in here. You go home, and if you want to eat that tomorrow, what do you do? You stick it in the refrigerator, you close the door. Not the days of refrigeration. No refrigerators back then. The thing that saved food was salt. It would preserve food. Because it had that preserving quality, often what happened is when there were marriages and covenants, one of the things that they would bring out is a bunch of salt. Why? Because it had this idea with it of preserving, of enduring, of bringing things, keeping things there. Where light, often, as you heard Josh read in Isaiah 2 today, was often associated with what? The kingdom of the coming Messiah. And here's what he says. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And notice what he said in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here's what he's doing. He's saying, what's going to happen is when you experience the flourishing life, when you experience the good life, the life that Jesus Christ gives, what it is for is that you would take that flourishing life and spread it to other people. Which is funny because this changes the way that we probably see talking about Jesus. You probably maybe view Jesus like, like talking about Jesus to other people. Like, you might be fine here on Sundays, but doing that in your everyday life, you're like, okay, like you, you get this feeling, that's, just, that's strange, it's a little weird. Here's what is, when you are talking about him, what you are doing, when you are telling other people about him, what you are doing is you are taking those whose lives are not flourishing and what you're doing is you are introducing them to the author of life you're introducing them to the one who can make their life flourish because they think they're on the road to the good life they're going to wreck it along the way just like we all do You are the kind of person that Jesus Christ makes us into the kind of people that spread his aroma and spread this life to all the world. 
Like, this is pretty stinking cool. Some of you might be David, like, David, I'm 80 years old. I'm 70 years old. Like, like what you're saying, it's like the first time I've ever heard this. Guess what? The Lord has granted you that you would truly live for the last 20 years of your life. That you would live the kind of life that is thriving, the kind of life that when people look at, you might not have the best circumstances, but they're like, wow. For you who's like 15 years old, 20 years old, 13 years old, the kind of life that Jesus Christ is calling you to is one that is so sweet. You are going to have, Lord willing, 70 years to show his aroma to the world. You're going to have 70 years to show this is the beautiful life. And he is going to make you the kind of person that when other people look at they're like, it's not perfect. It, it, it's painful. Wow. That's who we are. We're the kind of people who introduce. We are the salt of the earth. We spread the permanence of his kingdom everywhere we go. We're the light of the world. We show through our works and through our words the glory of his name. And some of you, you, you I, I know, like, you're like, David, like, like I, I don't know what to say to people. That's great. There, guess what? We have opportunities for you to learn that kind of thing. But here's how you can start. By telling people simply, hey, Jesus changed my life. Here's the person that I used to be. Can you describe the person you used to be? Here's the person I am now. Start conversations like that. Some of you are like, David, man, I still can't get over the feeling. Like, man, if I, if I, if I spread this, like, like, it's weird when people talk about Jesus like that. Hence why you saw verses 10 and 11 there. Blessed are those when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. They don't do that if we don't say anything. You don't get reviled unless you open your mouth. But you are spreading something. You were spreading the good news of the gospel that you were once in sin, darkest night, and yet he rescued you from yourself. That at the very bottom level, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? At the most fundamental level, it means spreading this flourishing to other people. That's who we are. That's cotton picking cool. Your life ceases. To, what, what happens? Is you, you, you drop your agenda in life. All of a sudden, everything goes on the table and it says, Lord, that is yours. So for you, like, hey, my goal is I want to be married. I want to have kids. You're like, Lord, here's the thing. I put that in your hands. If you want to grant that, you can. And if you don't, I will follow you all my days. And I love you. For you, you might have these career plans. What does the flourishing life look like? What does repentance and faith in Jesus look like? Putting it on the table and say, Lord, that is what I have planned. But what I want to do is I want to walk after you. I'm making that my number one priority. That's what I'm going to do. And if anything gets in the way of it, then guess what? i got to change jobs. If I can't live the godly life, if I can't spend time with the rest of the body of Christ like I want to, if I can't pour into other people in the congregation, then guess what? That's got to go. i got to find something else. 
you reorganize your life. Your life is no longer just about glitzy vacations or being wealthy. Not that vacations and wealth are bad. That's the crazy thing. But you live a different life because you have been introduced to the one who makes a life truly flourishing. And that's the crazy part. It's not where you and I expect it to be. That we think life is found through acquisition, through getting, through getting, through getting, through getting. But the problem is it betrays you at the end. And it destroys you as a person. But there's one who offers life. And that's the beauty of it. Not just like, oh, way down here. Oh, you're going to walk out of here. I just got to suck it up today. Because I got to just, you know, he offers you life now. Maybe this will help. Uh, I was driving yesterday, and uh, I was looking at my windshield. And I'm like, I've never tried this before. What happens if I try to drive? Instead of looking through my windshield, I actually look at my windshield. You should try that on the way home. Actually, actually, don't do that because you'll die, all right? You will die if you try that. The beauty of Christianity, the beauty of what Jesus is talking about here, is that we're the kind of people, we live in this world. If this world is the windshield, we, we, we see the windshield but we're the kind of people who have a hope that is beyond the windshield. It doesn't avoid the windshield, and it doesn't ignore the windshield, but we have a hope that's beyond it. You want to have a thriving home. You want to have that. That's great, but you have a hope that's beyond that. And because it's beyond that, your world, though you might lose it all, your life will never be shaken. That's profoundly good news. But here's the thing. If you're looking at the windshield, you will wreck that car every time. You will wreck it. Isn't it so stinking cool? Because here's the thing. You can go to Islam. You can go to Buddhism. And you know what their gods don't care about? The flourishing life for human beings. <laughs> they don't care about that. And the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, is so others-oriented that he takes rebels who once profaned his name and says, I want to give you life. Now, it's not found where you expect, but I'm going to give you far something better than you even expected. Isn't that a God you want to know? Isn't that a God you want a relationship with? What's the key to this flourishing life? You lose control of your life. You lose everything. But what you gain is infinitely more. Guys, I can't think of a, a better, like... Brandon's going to get ready to come up again, and, and we're going to sing um, this idea of cornerstone and, and realizing that we actually serve a God 
who doesn't just tell us, hey, suck it up, and you know what, I'll make things right one day, but he says, no, I will make things right one day, but in the process, I'm going to change you. That's the best news. That's the best kind of news, guys. Maybe you're here today, and you're like, David, um, um, I have been straight up, uh, I, I, I have not lived that life. And you want to repent, you want to turn from that. Hey, uh, I'm going to be up at the front. I'm going to pray with you. I mean, Josh will gladly come down. We will pray with you. But here's the thing. We all tend to think that we, you know, we, we've got, like, we've got the plan, like, right? If we would see what Jesus Christ has for us, your mind would be blown if you were in Christ. Blown that he wants your flourishing more than you do. Let's take some time. Let's let me pray. Guys, and then we'll, we'll sing, and we'll sing with, with a lot of joy because, wow, a God like that, worthy. Father, we praise you. God, there's no one like you. There's none there. God, the gods of the nations, they don't care if we thrive. They just want stuff from us. And yet you, you, you make us different. You, you, you have saved us out of darkness so that we might be those who truly experience life. Lord, that is wonderful news, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the life that is ours in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. We I pray for the heart in here today, Lord, who is who is still unconvinced of your goodness that you've planned for those who throw their lives on you. I pray for those in here this morning, Lord, who still think like, "Oh wait, no, I I, I got to plan this out. I got to do this. I I I got I got I got to have control. Like, or I'm not going to get what I've always wanted." Father, may they see that you are a good God. May they see that you have our flourishing in mind, and may they see that, 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 that your flourishing list is way better than theirs. Lord, we pray this. Father, enjoy knowing that you have been kind, Father, to look on the sons of men, and though we have rebelled against your name, you still have loved us. And you still offer us life, Lord. We thank you for this. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' kind name. Amen.